Hello to all my Facebook family and friends. Wonderful to be with you on this Thursday afternoon, coming to you from West Irwin Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. I'm Bill Allen, glad to be with you. Hope that you are able to join in on this little study. We've been working through the book of Colossians on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I hope that you've been able to make uh, many of those. We have them on our website, uh, our church website, which is westerwin.com, West Irwin, Irwin with an E, E-R-W-I-N. And um, that's the street we're on and have been for a long, long time, since 1885 or so. And I uh, just want you to know that uh, all of these messages are on there, all of our previous messages and other studies. I'm doing a Mark study, a study on the Gospel of Mark on Sunday afternoons on Facebook Live. And all of those get taken, sent, posted over there as well. And you can, of course, uh, scroll down on my Facebook page in addition to seeing pictures of some wonderful family members, especially grandchildren. Then uh, you uh, can uh, also take in a lot of these uh, lessons as well. Um, great to be with you today. It is a great study in the book of Colossians. Colossians, even though it's from the first century uh, church in the Roman Empire in uh, modern day Turkey on the western side, um, not far from Ephesus and Laodicea and some other interesting places, uh, the, uh, the book of Colossians is, seems so relevant for us uh, today, and we certainly will see that uh, today as well. So nice to see some folks joining in. Uh, my cousin Gail and Keith, hello there. Also, Pat, good to see you. Cindy and Eric, always wonderful uh, to see your names there, and what a blessing it is. Some others will join us along the way. They may say hello. They may just listen in, and that's great. Uh, appreciate all of the support and encouragement and prayers. Um, this past Tuesday, we started this passage looking at Colossians chapter 4, uh, verses two through six. So I thought that we might just go ahead and reread that from the start, kind of do a little bit of a review of what we did yesterday, and then look specifically at uh, being prayerful as Paul was uh, for uh, the Lord to open doors of opportunity for us to share his love and to share his word and his message, his gospel with others. Uh, pray for that actively, but then also be willing to actually do that when he sends those opportunities our way. So these words from Colossians 4, beginning at verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, we looked a lot at that first verse uh, on Tuesday, and you may want to, if you missed that lesson, you may want to go back and listen in on that one uh, later on. But Paul says to be devoted in prayer, being watchful and thankful. And we talked a lot about that, being devoted to prayer. And as we just read, Paul is going to ask them specifically to pray for him, which I think is amazing. Even though he was an apostle of Jesus Christ, a wonderfully gifted man with gifts of the Holy Spirit, miraculous, extraordinary first century gifts of the Holy Spirit, still he sought the prayers of the people to whom he ministered, and we should as well. 
these verses, this verse, verse uh, four, reminds us of that great verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Great summary statements. And then, of course, the theme verse of Colossians, as we have uh, um, called it throughout this study, Colossians 3, verse uh, 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so all of this uh, is how we're supposed to live. This passage sounds a lot like the great passage in Philippians chapter four, where Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And he asks for them uh, to continue to be prayerful so that they will not be anxious, be anxious for nothing but in everything. Uh, let your requests be made known to God and do that uh, with uh, a confidence and assurance, but also uh, with gratitude and thanksgiving, just as he says here. For him that, that he'll do what God has called him to do and that he'll be able to have the doors open for him to preach the message and that he will take advantage of that. And that's a great prayer for us to pray for each other and for ourselves today, that God would open doors of opportunity for us to share his message and that we would be faithful in answering that call and opening those doors. Um, so uh, as we continue on in verse three, he says that exact thing, pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that me, we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul is writing this letter probably uh, under house arrest in Rome at the end of Acts 8.28. That's where we find him. And it seems that that's, that's where he was and was there for a couple of years. And during that time, he wrote the book of Colossians and he wrote the book of Ephesians and Philippians. And he also wrote the little book, one chapter book of Philemon, one of the members of the church there in Colossae. And so Paul is recognizing that he's in jail, basically, at, at least under house arrest. They were, he was very controlled as to what uh, he could do and who he could see, but he did have interaction with some of the Jewish leaders there at the end of Acts 28. And as best we can tell, uh, he was able to have guests and was able to uh, write letters and, and continue to take advantage of those open doors. You know, Christ opens doors even for someone who's in jail, as Paul was. Christ opened doors that he might be proclaimed. And that's what Paul prays. He prays for them uh, to open a door of opportunity so that he would be willing and able uh, to take advantage of it. Christ opens the door for the message and we proclaim the message. And that's how that works. And Christ is the message course. And so that next verse, uh, verse four, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. As a preacher, I ask for your prayers that I could do the same thing. It's, it's, um, it's a daunting task. I believe it was Karl Barth that said uh, it is the most auspicious thing in the world uh, to pretend to have the uh, authority and the ability and the right uh, to walk into that pulpit and to presume to have a word from God to speak to God's people. That is, I, I face that every time. And I know uh, other great preachers do as well, uh, because that's where it starts is with humility, 
realizing that the power is not in the messenger, but rather in the message. And that's what we try to do. And that's what Paul says. Pray for me that doors would be open so that I can proclaim the message, the message of Christ. And specifically, Christ is that message. Uh, we've seen that throughout the book of Colossians, starting in the very beginning in chapter one when he talks about the supremacy and the preeminence of Christ and how he was the sacrifice that that brought his body together and provided forgiveness of sins through his death on the cross and the blood that was shed there. And now he's united us, Jew and non-Jew, uh, everyone, Jew and Gentile, to be able to be a part of his body the church. And so we proclaim Christ, uh, that great statement in Colossians 1 verses 28 and 29, my personal mission statement whoop, on the other side, on the shield, the blue shield behind me that my friend Donnie Cook made for me. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. That's Paul's prayer. That's my prayer. That should be a, our, the prayer of everyone, not, not just preachers or ministers or missionaries, but we all should seek to proclaim Christ. And that's what Paul says. Pray that God would open the door so that we can do that. And it's interesting. You know, I think it's okay to pray that God would keep us safe. And we certainly pray that for our children and grandchildren all the time, for each other, all the time, for family members and those who are struggling, we do. And, and that's the right thing to do. Paul says that, as we said in Philippians 4 and other places. But it's interesting that Paul doesn't pray that as much here. What he's praying for is that he would be faithful in proclaiming the message, whatever the consequences. Uh, we're reminded of the book of Acts and how Jesus calls on them to be his witnesses in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. One of the great commission uh, statements. It's interesting to think of that Barna research study from a couple of years back that said that about half of people who profess to be Christians uh, don't really know what the Great Commission is, are not familiar with the term. And that's horrible to think about, but that was their research. And I hope and pray that that's not true of our folks and our churches. Uh, and I hope it's not true of you, and I know it's not. Um, it's it's that call to be his witnesses, to take that message, to make disciples uh, of all nations, as Matthew 28 says. Um, but then it goes on, and in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit is given, the church begins, they start to meet, they're taking care of each other. And then it's right in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John walking into the temple in Jerusalem, they heal a man, and they immediately get questioned about why they did that and by whose authority did they do that. And of course, they're very clear in Acts 3 and 4 saying that it is by the authority of Jesus Christ, it has been the name of Jesus Christ that this man stands before you hold this man lame from birth. And it's amazing that uh, they would, they would uh, do that because these, this is the crew that just crucified Jesus not too long before these events took place, the day of Pentecost less than two months after Passover and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So we know that this is very soon after that, and yet, um, and yet they're willing to boldly proclaim that, that it is Jesus Christ and that they 
they would uh, be faithful to his call to share that message. Well, uh, at, at the end of chapter four, they're threatened. The, the, uh, the, the apostles, Peter and John, are not persecuted. They're not physically beaten yet. That happens to all 12 apostles for the first time in Acts chapter five. Uh, but in Acts chapter four, they just threaten them and they say, don't speak any longer in his name or else it's going to be bad for you. And so they go back to the church. They go back to the home, probably Mark's home, his parent, his mother's home, where the church was meeting for prayer and they pray to God. But in that great prayer at the end of Acts chapter four, they don't pray that God would keep them safe, but they pray that they would boldly proclaim the message. And I, again, I think it's okay to pray for safety and that God would keep us well, but that's not the primary concern for New Testament Christians. Uh, even though they suffered greatly and, and, and had it far worse than we do uh, from those who were in a, a government authority, um, still that's what they prayed, that they would boldly proclaim. And that's what Paul seeks the prayers for here. Several times in his letters, he asks for them to pray for him and that he might not just do it uh, faithfully, but that he would do it well and do what needs to be done and say what needs to be said. Christ opens doors that he might be proclaimed. And because Christ opens doors, that means we have the opportunity to do that. Again, reading verses five and six of Colossians four, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. It's a very outreach-centered passage. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation or conduct be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And we're reminded of what Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9 when he says, To the Jew I became like a Jew, to the Greek like a Greek, to those under the law like one under the law, to the slave a slave, to the free a free. I have become all things to all people, so that by every possible means I might save some. Well, that's what his attitude is here as well. As he talks about those open doors of opportunities, he says, let's make the most of those. Uh, let's make the most of those. And when we have the opportunity to talk with someone, let's, let's be sure and be gracious and respectful. I think of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, where Paul says, we are speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love in love. Uh, Jesus was always one who was willing to speak the truth, and he said what needed to be said, but he always said it from a heart of concern and love and compassion. That great passage in 1 Peter 3, when uh, Peter talks in First and Second Peter about living a faithful life and letting people hear the message of Christ uh, without words first through a faithful life, and then he says in 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16, always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks about why you have hope, um, but do this with gentleness and respect. Uh, and I think that's what we need to remember. We need to be living a life that people will look at and see as an example of what it means to live faithfully to Christ. Do they see the love of Christ in our lives? Um, the book of Romans certainly asks that question. Colossians here calls on us to do the same thing. Let your conduct, let your conversation, your words, your actions uh, be gracious, be respectful, be seasoned with salt. Um, in 1 Peter, Peter talks to people who were already being oppressed and at the bottom of the social scale, 
persecuted, he says, look, don't give them any ammunition. Live your life in a faithful way so that they will see your good deeds and have to glorify God. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 5, in that great passage when he says, let your light shine among others so that they may see your good deeds and praise your heavenly Father. It starts with the faithful life. And that's what Paul prays for here. Pray that I can live faithfully. And then when I have the opportunity to speak, pray that my words will be chosen wisely and well. Uh, throughout scripture, it talks to us about this exact thing, about being ready, about being ready to live that faithful life and then being ready to put in a good word for Jesus, as Milton Jones uh, has said. I think that's what we're called upon to do. It's what Jesus did with Nicodemus, even though it was a word of confrontation in John 3. It's what he did with the Samaritan woman. Um, it's what he did in every instance and in every example. That great passage in Philippians 2, where uh, Paul uh, perhaps is quoting a first century hymn, uh, beginning in verse 5, when he says, Let this mind, this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, took upon himself not just human form, but the form of a servant and suffered even unto death, but not just any death, even death on a cross. Well, as we have shared in our Philippian study a while back, that's, an, that's the illustration. The point is that we are to treat each other that way, the way Christ has treated us by leaving heaven and becoming human, a servant, and suffering even to the point of death, even the death on the cross. All of that is to illustrate how we are to live, how we are to treat others, uh, with that same kind of unselfishness. Uh, Peter tells them in 1 Peter chapters 2 and 3 especially that that's how we're to live. Even in chapter 4 as he speaks more about being willing to suffer unjustly uh, if it is the will of God and to be persecuted for the sake of Jesus Christ. So what does all this say to us? Well, we need to pray that the opportunities would come. And when Jesus sends them, we need to be willing to take advantage of them uh, because he will open the doors for us. And so we need to be wise about how we do that. And we need to be vigilant, always watchful, always aware, always ready. Uh, be ready again, 1 Peter 3, 15. Be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks. You don't have to know where all the passages are, but it would be good for you to study a little bit about that. But the main thing is, is that you're willing to share his story by sharing your story. Uh, tell them what Jesus means to you. Tell them how he made something of your life when you were simply his enemy and a sinner. Uh, you can do that. And then you can point them to these great passages, such as the ones we've seen in Colossians, such as chapter 2. And in all those passages in the book of Acts that talk about how a person comes to know Christ. Um, be wise, uh, be vigilant, and, and be considerate. Be considerate. Be ready and watchful, of course, always ready. But be considerate. Be respectful. There's nothing that says that we have the right to treat others unkindly, even if they've treated us unkindly, especially if they have treated us that way, when we respond to that with uh, kindness and love and respect and consideration, then we're doing what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, 
what I spoke about in the sermon this past Sunday morning here at Western Wind Church of Christ, and that is that we refuse to be overcome by evil, but rather we overcome evil with good. That's a hard thing. One of the hardest things that goes against all of our human nature, which operates from a selfish perspective, which says fight fire with fire and and return uh, in kind. If they treat you unkindly, then treat them unkindly. But that's, as you know, not the golden rule. We don't treat others the way they treat us. We treat others the way we would like to be treated. And we specifically, even a greater, higher standard, we treat them the way God in Christ Jesus has treated us. That great passage in Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2, live a life of love as dearly loved children. God has loved us first and, and Jesus has loved us and, and died for us. And so now we are to treat others the way God has treated us, the way Christ has treated us, not the way they treat us, uh, but the way that our great God uh, has treated us so undeservedly so. Uh, and yet that's what has happened. Uh, we respond with the fruit of the Spirit. We respond with the second greatest commandment in the eyes of Jesus, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus came to open the doors of salvation and mission for everyone. Uh, and one person has written, of course, as we step out in faith and start talking about Jesus, we have to realize that we'll encounter both spiritual hostility and spiritual hunger. This coming Sunday, I'll be preaching from that great passage in Romans 13, verses 1 through 7, as we continue on in our Roman study uh, here um, this spring at West Irwin. And uh, that's the passage where he talks about how we are to respond uh, to the civil authorities. And uh, we realize that there are people that are very hostile to the gospel and to the church and to the Christian. But we also realize that there are people out there that are hungering for what we have. They want to see someone who is authentic. They want to see someone who seeks their uh, direction from the word of God. And they do that genuinely, and they do that hum humbly. We can do that. We can be that. There is a rising tide of secularism and materialism, and it's uh, scary and frightening times in our nation right now. And we don't know what the next day or the next month is going to hold. But we do know that God is going to be with us, that Jesus has said when he gave us that great commission, in Matthew 28, to go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, continuing to teach them everything that's in God's word that he has commanded us. But then that great passage ends with these words, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so whatever the future holds for us in this country, for us in, these, in our communities, in our world, we know that Christ has promised that he will be with us. And we also know that he will open doors for us because we know that there are individuals out there within our circles that he sends our way, that we he sends us their way, uh, who are quietly searching, who are hungering for what the gospel message can only bring. And that is uh, the love and mercy and forgiveness uh, of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So our message is the same uh, as it has been since that first century. 
that God loves you, that Jesus came and died for you, and that God has raised him from the dead, that the tomb is empty, and that now we can live our lives of hope and assurance and confidence and gratitude um, and joy. And so we remember those words in verse 2 of Colossians 4, being devoted to prayer, always thankful, but also always watchful. Uh, watchful for opportunities, watchful for the return of our Lord. Uh, our message is one of good news. It's um, a, a message that can bring ultimate joy into a person's life that the circumstances of life cannot take away. Um, that that uh, coming of Christ so long ago, uh, his wonderful life of teaching as as Peter tells Cornelius in Acts 10, perhaps one of the best descriptions, the best succinct summaries of the life of Christ, it's, he simply says he went around doing good. That's what Jesus did, and now that's what he's called us, us to do. However people respond, they may respond with gratitude and acceptance, or they may respond uh, with cruelty and hostility. Either way, we're called to do the same thing. That is to overcome evil with good. Uh, that is to share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We uh, worship the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is the Prince of Peace, who is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so today with Paul, we pray that God would open doors of opportunity for us. And we also pray and we encourage each other to be willing to go through that open door and to help someone come to know the one who is meant everything uh, to us, to do that with kindness and with respect, with gentleness, with humility, with love, but to be willing to put in a good word for Jesus, to take advantage of the open doors that he sends our way, to take advantage of every opportunity to share the word of the great God who has done so much for us. May God bless us each to do that constantly in our lives. Have a good weekend.